2: Welcome to Believe in Vikings with B-Mac and Baker. I am Dustin Baker, one of your hosts here with Brian McKinney, who's a Super Bowl champion. Sally from Minneapolis is off tonight, and I believe Ron from Eden Prairie. Ron saw he's off as well. So in their stead, we have Adam from Third and Forever, that podcast, and that's a 10K Takes uh, network affiliate, so to speak. And then Cora from Woodbury, who's been on with us in the past. She joins tonight to talk about the Vikings. We got a lot of apropos topics talking about Dalvin Cook's potential dabbling in a WR role. Uh, Some of these pundits all of a sudden kind of high on the Vikings. Going to talk to Brian McKinney about Tommy Kramer's urinal, all that kind of fun stuff. That's on the docket tonight, believe in the Vikings. Foremost, betonline.ag, our partners at BetOnline. Continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures right on there. BetOnline. Uh, BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan-favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your promo code. B-L-E-A-V. Use that promo code, I should say. And you'll receive 50% off your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So we got Believe in Vikings. It might be a Bryant McKinneyless show. He has yet to join. So we're going to go with a skeleton crew. Adam Cora uh, excuse me, Cora. How are you guys tonight? Good. Yeah, can't yeah. complain. Yeah, Cora, you haven't been on for what two for a while. Now? Yeah, it's about yeah. two months. And then Adam, it's been way too long for you, sir. Yeah, Sometimes I think it's I, been longer than that. Even. Yeah, it's been a lot longer. And uh, I think I think we had planned for me to hop on your show, but then the night you recorded it was the night this was being recorded. So we'll have to we'll have to
0: collaborate soon. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Where are we you know we've we've been talking on and off for this whole <laughs> offseason, it feels like. I'll get you back on, but we're like, oh, we recorded like the exact same time. Yeah, it's goofy days and nights. So we gotta kind of we we gotta figure it out with off season, but yeah, we're we definitely gonna that. cross lines again.
2: All right. Well awesome. Let's hop into these Vikings topics. These are all apropos topics from the week. And the first one derived from the the OTAs, so to speak, in Egan. And it was one of the more exciting nuggets of information because it's a clue about how the new offense might be run and it pertains to Dalvin Cook. So listen up, in 2019 Dalvin Cook had 63 receptions as a wide receiver. And that was 2 years ago the last time the Vikings won a excuse me 53 receptions. He had 63 targets, 53 receptions in 2019 the last time the Vikings won a playoff game. And um, it seems that either there's a big smoke screen that he's going to be utilized as a pass catcher or he's actually going to do that. So I'll start with you, Cora. Does Dalvin, the wide receiver hybrid type, excite you?
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I think, well, and I had mentioned last time I was on that I thought like I would be excited if Kenne was in it just because I never really thought that they would you know, kind of pulled Dalvin from, you know, his punishing role as a running back. But with that being said, it was very punishing the last few years with Zimmer, because it was like, I mean, he got, I don't know, he just would get destroyed. He wanted it. He was excited about, it, he got, you know, had the yards to um, speak for it. But I think this will like extend his life a little bit more in the NFL. And it will like take off some of the just the wear and tear on your body that being a running back gives you. And I'm excited to see, cause he did pretty well. Um, and it kind of gives the offense another, like, like you said, a smoke screen that maybe they'll, you know, they've been noticing a certain way with how he's lining up, but then it's the same as something else. And it'll give them a little bit more, I don't know, option to, take him out a little bit. So I'm excited for it. I think it could be something. I think it could be beneficial to Dalvin cook because it would elongate his career rather than, you know, just die. Like (laughs) running backs. Do I feel like
2: smash into the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Adam, since 2019, the last three years, Dalvin cook ranks second in the league in touches 942, 13 touches behind Derrick Henry. Do you like the idea of, mix and matching that with WR targets.
0: Yeah. So here's the kind of, I'm not shocked by this at all. When we saw this happen with, you know, obviously KOC and, and uh, his staff saw firsthand as what a player in a hybrid position can do. Like Debo did in the last year with San Fran, obviously this is the opposite of that with a running back, getting more receiver targets Um, say, you know, it, Not like Debo. So, but he saw how effective that can be. I think I, you know, I'm a fan of it. Obviously, as, as Cora mentioned, Dalvin's absolutely like you go, Oh, you're going to give me 30 touches this week. Absolutely. I'm all for it. No running back in the league is going to say no more touches for me. I don't want to get the ball anymore. So it's, it's just a matter of kind of taking that risk with that reward. Um, I think it benefits it. I think that the reward aspect outshines the possible risk of it. I because be uh, what I see happening more reps at receiver mean less at running back using more of that Madison bowling bile bowling ball style of running that he does and getting Ken, a long wound there kind of yes. a change of pace. So I, I, I view it as Dalvin is our, one of our most dynamic, if not the most dynamic player on offense, Justin Jefferson is quickly catching up to that, but Dalvin in terms of he can run it and catch the ball, um, And he has that home run ability every single time I see it. Like, how can we use him in different ways instead of just running him up between the tackles, like Zimmer was wanting to do every time. Um, So I'm excited. Obviously there's gonna be risk, but you can't play scared. You can't play like, Oh no, they're going to get hurt. I mean, injuries happen randomly in the NFL, in any, any sport, but NFL, especially like It happens in practice, as we saw with Teddy. I mean, it just freak things happen, and you can't play scared of that.
2: So we are infatuated with the idea of seeing a new wrinkle because of the the new offense. Like, it's an offense-first enterprise. We haven't seen that since, if you want to call Childress an offense-first enterprise. That's the last time we, we've seen that. So that it's exciting for us, the folks that study it like crazy people. But I can tell you certifiably the whole world is intrigued by this because of fantasy football. They, <laughs> they they want to know if Dalvin Cook will take on a Le'Veon Bell from 2014, 2015 or Christian McCaffrey role because, bada-bing, he would be the second or third overall pick in all fantasy drafts if he isn't already. So the idea that uh, O'Connell's brain would mesh with an untapped Dalvin Cook's skill set means fantasy points galore, and I, as soon as I saw uh, Cook feed the monster by by tweeting the tweeting reception, his- reception against the Steelers, I was like, "Oh boy, fantasy football the the, the obsessionists of that." Which I'm one of those yeah. two are going to just hang on this until it's proven wrong. So uh, let's pivot into something I've noticed. Um, it's no secret by now that I do this Viking stuff full time, and I've noticed in the past two weeks a subtle pivot. In the court of public opinion about the Vikings. So um, I think when Kirk Cousins was re-signed for an extra year back in March, the NFL body politic was like, ha-ha, ha, suckers, they're gonna go eight and nine. And they just kind of put the Vikings on an island and said, Good luck with your eight and nine, nine and eight ceiling. Then the draft happened, and people were like, Well, this crazy guy is trading with the, the rivals. Let's see, let's see how he does. Um, but alas, over the last two weeks, there's been small chirps. About the Vikings as a sleeper team, I think uh, Dan Orlovsky called them that. Uh, there is a betting analyst named Joe Osborne who tweeted out, "You know, look at look at the odds the Packers have. They remind him of the 2019 Patriots that ended it for for Brady. They just didn't have enough weapons." Uh, Jason LaCanfora, I think I said that right, from CBS Sports, picked the Vikings to win the division, and today. Bryant McFadden, a Super Bowl champion with the Steelers, and Patrick Peterson's co-host of the All Things Covered podcast, also picked the Vikings to win the division. So I think they're becoming a somewhat fashionable pick. My question for you, Adam, on this one is: do you agree that the public perception is
0: changing or are these just one-offs? Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a little twofold. I think we're the we're in the lull of the NFL offseason where there's always that bit after, you know, the, the spurt of free agency and the draft. And then once that all happens kind of cools down. So obviously these guys are paid year round. There's no off season for them. I think a lot of it is like, what can we get a headline here? And, but I, (laughs) I I do think, (laughs) yeah, I, I do think that there is a, there is some merit. I personally you know, I'm a big purple Kool-Aid drinker, but I personally wouldn't say NFC North champs year one in um, Kevin O'Connell's first year and you know Quasi's first time in the you know organization, the new regime. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far yet, just because you know, I, I, as much as I hate the Packers, like they're still I have Aaron Rodgers, like they're going to be good. Like that's just you know, I'm not going to try to convince myself otherwise. Um, now, on the flip side. The arguing for the Vikings is, did we get better? Yes. Did we need to get better? Yes. Did the Packers get better? I wouldn't say so. I think they got worse. Um, They added some nice pieces or retained some nice pieces, sure. But the Devontae Adams hole is going to be very large to fill. Um, Do I think Christian Watson could be something good in the NFL in maybe three years um, when Rodgers is no longer in the NFL? So I, I think. It it just doesn't mesh fully with me that the Packers are going to replicate 13 wins again. Now, who knows their schedule as well as all the NFC North teams are relatively easier just because we have the NFC East and and the the AFC East, which has a couple teams that are really good, um, or one team that's really good, and then a couple that are kind of in weird spots in their organization right now. And they don't know if there are, you know, new quarterback, new coach new players. So we don't know what they're going to turn out to be. So I think that the Vikings are going to be surprise A lot of people this year, especially on defense. Um, But I'm not going to personally say NFC North champs. I'm, I'm waiting until January for that. Uh So maybe, maybe we'll see after a few weeks, if we ride we for four and oh, at the end of September, I'd be like, Oh, wow, we're, we're winning 13 games. Easy. But- <laughs> We'll see Cora,
2: Cora. I don't expect you to declare a division crown, um, tonight. However, do you understand, no, do you understand why, uh, or even Kevin Seifert, the new Vikings guy for ESPN picked them to make the playoffs. He calls it a bold prediction. Or, well, do, you, do you understand why these men and women are coming around?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who would be number one, like, The Packers, but I don't feel like they've gotten better. The Lions have gotten way better. Obviously, the Bears have not. But like the Lions last year, like they were so close to winning so many games like the Vikings were. And I feel like last year they had the heart. They had the coach. It just was all these, you know, unforeseen circumstances where they lost. Well, some of them. And then this year they have the same coach. They beefed up some of their things. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to Sadly, gonna win. they still have
0: Jared Goff as their quarterback. <laughs> right? So I think that's probably the biggest holding I mean, them back. I mean, he, yeah.
1: he's had success.
0: We made him look like the second coming of Joe Montana. <laughs> I mean, like, let's not forget 2018. Like, I under that game was, I was on a plane for that game. And I, oh, I was boy. losing my mind. I, I was on a plane for the Cardinals game this year, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed to stop traveling when the Vikings play in prime time or just yeah. like during the day, don't whatever the game is, it's bad. <laughs> it never goes well. So I, I take full responsibility for both L's on those games.
1: I mean, and so I don't know, I don't know who would be the clear winner. So I can totally see the argument for the Vikings mm-hmm. to be the NFC North champion. I just, I don't think as a fan, I can say that out loud because I feel like it would jinx it. Yeah. Um, and in my heart, I'm like, you know, I, it, it, they'll do the Vikings and they'll, you know, do something. So I can see the arguments for it. And I, because I just don't know who would be, who would take the top because the Packers, like, like Adam said, the Packers didn't get better. The lions did get better. The Vikings got better. So I think it's a hot take that yeah. gets, you know, people talking it's, you know, you put something out there. Like Kyle Brandt said that the dark horse for MVP is Kirk cousins. It's a Mm -hmm. hot take. I mean, some people could agree with it. Some people won't, but you sure know people are going to talk about
0: it. (laughs) It's getting, it's getting less hot as it goes on. I feel like ever all the rumblings I'm hearing and Kirk's, you know, studying like for like an eighth grade test with flashcards about the offense. Like, I don't know. I, 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 it's so hard as a fan. I think we all can agree here. It's so easy to get sucked in. Oh, and yeah. It's so hard to resist that. And Like Kevin O'Connell and Kwasi Adolfo Mensa are saying all the right things. They are doing everything that they should be doing and saying the things that should only convince fans. Like I'm like, this is, I mean, the players are coming out only nothing but nice things that are positive things to say from the new regime. And it's just we have to just execute, you know, we, uh, we, that just, at the end of the day, it comes down to it. We, you know, Kevin O'Connell might be saying everything he should be saying, but I'm pretty sure Josh McDaniels said everything he should have been saying in Denver. And we saw how that turned out. Granted, he has another chance here with Oakland, but or not, not Oakland, Las Vegas. Um, I've done that like five times. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's going to take me a couple of years. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I find it really hard to not just be like, yeah, we're, we're going to win the division. I don't know. I have to like the, the smart part of my brain has to be like, to just, just calm down. Just yeah. Take think, it easy.
2: I think, uh, so here, here's where I get stuck. So I'm going to go th- shoot from the hip here with all these, these player names and I'll tell you where I get stuck. So Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., KJ Osborne, and Kirk Cousins automatic 30 touchdowns for season on the edges of the offensive line, Darisaw and O'Neill on defense, Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Phillips, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Louis Seen, Patrick Peterson, and Andrew Booth. My God, I I right. promise, I <laughs> promise you that is enough good guys, not just by Vikings fan standards. That's enough guys to get to the postseason. I swear to Christ. However, I said the same shit the past two seasons, the last two seasons, I've been right in this spot, not in this exact room, but in the same house where I'm like, look at all these guys, they've got to be able to at least get a wild card.
1: They're too good to be bad. Yeah. It's it's (laughs)
2: like in 20, like the 2015 roster when we waltzed into that season, I was like, nah, not very good, but it'll be fun. And I'm not saying that this time. I'm like, it's a good roster and it'll be fun. So uh, I think the only hesitation that I have to say that these Vikings are going to make a serious push of the division is is that the coach actually has to effectuate it, and he has to be right. He can't just be good-looking and eloquent. He's <laughs> got to be a good football coach, and I, I think he will be, uh, but like Adam said, I'm not some dumbass that's going to
0: proclaim it in, in May uh, because it's just guaranteed to bite me in the ass. Yeah. See, I, I can proclaim it. I don't have the audience you do, so I it's never gonna really come back to hurt me. I feel like I'll have Kevin, my Packer co-host on my show, will you know say something to me, but I'm like well, whatever, dude. I got, got him to talk about a you know a, a new defensive bet. I last year, if you recall, I believe you were on our show before the season yep. started, where made a bet that the Vikings. I said the Vikings defense. Would be a top ten scoring defense in the NFL. Now they missed that by only a few points per game, but you know they ended up being in the twenties, obviously, because it it was it was super muddled anyway. So this year around, Kevin asked if I wanted to, well, giving our floor ceiling record predictions, if I wanted to do our defensive bet, and I was like, I wouldn't say scoring. He's like, well, DV. I said DVOA is a much better metric. I feel like to grade a defense's ability just because. Touch you know it just goes by touchdowns, and so that's not always fully on the defense. Um, and he's like, "All right, DVOA, how about like top half?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, yeah. they said to be better than half." Like we were 16th rated DVOA defense last year. I'm like, "We're gonna be better. Like we have to be. There's no way we're gonna <laughs> be worse." But hey. I'm saying it in may. So we'll see what happens. The, and the thing about the
2: defense last year is that it, even in the 16th and DVO, it never felt like that. No, uh, I swear I was shocked when that was the number. Anytime it got to second and six, I was happy as hell thinking like, yeah. Oh, we only gave up four yards. This is awesome because the Zimmer defense tumbled mightily and with all of the end of half collapses it never felt like the defense was good but aside from those it it really it was decent and my the worst vikings take that i've had since uh graduating to this vikings digital stratosphere was my assumption that mike zimmer would always foster an at least average defense habitually (laughs) impossible for him to rank near the bottom and
0: i don't know i still don't get it I just think his, I, his he was just checked out. I just think he honestly was and like news of how it was in the organization within those doors at TCO, like, you know, I'm not surprised with how little, how, how poorly we performed in certain moments. Um, I just, you know, people not really hanging out there anymore. Yeah.
1: Like, you like know. Adam would say, it's like, it's like a job. You come in, TVs aren't on, they spend like, thousands of dollars on these huge tvs there's no music playing there's no tvs on you come in you do your work and you leave yeah
0: and i think i was listening on my way home from work um this week i think it was just mark rosen was on k fan with uh uh dan barrero and he was just talking they were talking about 98 you know how they would be at winter park when they were still there how players you know Randy Moss is hanging out. Chris Carter, Chris Carter is like, trying not to, you know, just shaking his head at something. Randy said, guys are playing cards. They're just hanging out. Not even practicing. It's just the camaraderie com- camaraderie. Oh my gosh. Can't talk. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, they need to have that element and I, it needs to be fun. You need to have that. And like you watch any sports documentary, you know, like in, in depth, like the last dance, for example, um, with Michael Jordan and the bulls. And it's like, those guys were just, they lived at practice or in around each other all the time. And, you know, it's a different mentality and different sport. But if you just go in, punch your card, do your practice, punch out and go home and that's it. How can you be successful or have fun? I don't know.
1: Right.
2: I think that's why the the word since January 10th or so 11th has been collaboration because Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was always like that. I know that Zimmer was always hard nosed or hard assed, but I don't know that it was ever a frosty place to work. If it was, then my goodness, I wonder, wonder if they would actually could have won a Super Bowl if it was a fun place to work in 2017. Um, But in the same vein that some optimism has upticked at least from five, six, seven pundits in the last two weeks, Kellen Mond has undergone a facelift. Uh, I don't know if he really did anything (laughs) different, um, but he notoriously was jettisoned to this doghouse of QB three. And when he got regular season playing time against the Packers late in the season, it was like uh, an absolute... Uh, necessity that he had to get in there. And then after the game, uh, it was as if that was a huge no-no that we can't put him on the field again because we've seen enough in practice. And so that led us to believe for the last three months that maybe this guy sucks. Maybe this truly was a Spielman gone rogue pick and he just wanted a quarterback to take quarterback. So we had no idea whether or not Mond was any good. Suddenly, with two new offensive brains in the house, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips, and back-to-back weeks, they have said that he looks sharp, his instincts are there, and he's, quote, having a good spring. And I don't think you would have heard any of that type of shit with with Zimmer still in charge. So I want to know, Cora, what does the positivity from the new guys say as opposed to the skittishness from Zimmer, mainly on Kellen Mond?
1: Well, I think, I mean, it's a, we we have to take this as like who Zim is when Kellen Mond was uh, drafted. He was not a rookie person. Like, I mean, he held Justin Jefferson out of games. So just knowing that part of it, I'm not surprised that he was not high on Kellen Mond and not, you know, speaking his saying that he was awesome. Cause he honestly didn't even do that with case when case was performing really well and he was a starting quarterback. So I feel like taking what Zim says with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously he didn't impress Zim, but at the same time, neither did Cam Dantzler and he's Zim always was about what you show in practice and the effort that you put forth in practice. And I'm sure that The comments that he was getting about or that Kellen Mann was getting vibe he was getting from Zim because he's, you know, on the third string and all that kind of stuff. He probably wasn't putting forth a hard effort in practice because he wasn't getting anything from his coach. And that's what Zim talks about. And that's who he rewards. So with all of that together, I would say he's probably a similar player. It's just now he's getting that positive affirmation or positive re reaffirmation or whatever from a coach. So now he's working harder. Um, and so I, I I don't know. I think, I don't know if that made any sense at all what I was saying, but I feel like Zim is more of like, I'm not going to start you as a rookie. I'm not going to give you a full on chance. And we don't know if KOC would have given him a chance. We don't know what he would have said. And practice is a big deal in Zimmer's eyes and he's trying harder and probably he had, you know, lit a fire under his butt when Zimmer said, well, I see him every day in practice. So I don't need to see him in a game and stuff. So he probably came into it as I need to prove myself. I need to work harder and I need to show them that I deserve to be here. So, I mean, you can almost make the argument that uh, you could credit Zim for um, <laughs> Kellen's changeover. Yeah,
2: this is like the spin
0: zone. The spin zone. <laughs> yeah, this is like whiplash. Is Zimmer there? Is Zimmer there right now? Is that why your background's blurred? Are you trying to hide yes, him? Yes. <laughs> He's just eerily staying I, behind you.
1: <laughs> I really, I it, it pains me that Zimmer was so awful in the end. <sighs> Cause I, I really, I really liked, like him. Yeah,
0: I did too. And it's just like, dude, just, he was just such a curmudgeon dude. Yes. And like, he always was, but it was just dialed up to 11. Like, I don't know. I just, he needed his, I, maybe he spent too much time on his ranch and he needs, like not used to being <laughs> around people, like unless it's football season, then he would just mad all the time. Well, Cause he like wasn't every, there.
1: Everyone always said that, like, it was tolerable and kind of funny when they were winning. Cause like yeah. oh Zim's cranky again ha 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 but then when you're losing it's like oh great he's mad again yeah so <laughs> I just feel bad
2: <laughs> so you're you're bringing the whiplash J.K. Simmons energy to the conversation with Kellen Mond that it was the ultimate motivator perhaps from Zimmer yeah. um the thing the thing that's weird Adam is that Zimmer had no reason whatsoever to. Put that guy in a doghouse or hope that he sucked. You want a viable QB two. You yeah. want the guy to be better than Shaq. So for him to condemn him out of the gate and think, no, I don't want this son of a bitch on my team, it doesn't make any sense. So Zimmer this summer or beyond will to be vindicated because indeed Mond will suck, or Mond will be the QB two, and it will have been a Zimmer problem all along. What do you What do you think on this the the Zimmerishness on this topic versus all the positive things now on Mond?
0: So I, I'm not the biggest Chris Sims fan. Like I don't, I don't agree with all of his takes or a ton of his takes. You know, he's famously bad, a guy that's paid to cover football for a living, like paid a lot. He's famously bad for picking Sunday night football winners, like each week, like his record was like four and nine or four and 10 or something. Like he just can't, I don't know. And everyone else at least is somewhat respectable. Drew Brees is actually really good at that. Um, maybe he was just playing with these guys. So he knows who's actually (laughs) good and not shocking. I know. Um, But I, I do respect him a lot with his track record of evaluating QBs coming out of college. Um, he he's hit on a lot of these guys that weren't consensus, Andrew luck, Trevor Lawrence type guys. I mean, he was really, really big on Patrick Mahomes. Obviously that was a massive hit. Pretty sure he was big on Josh Allen as well. he, he was very high on Kellen Mond. I believe in his 2021 QB rankings, which he's doing is this year's now as he reveals like the top 40. Mm-hmm. Kellen Mond um for the whole NFL, but he always ranks the prospects. Kellen Mond was his number four yep. overall prospect in that loaded QB class. Yep. Ahead mm-hmm. of Justin Fields, ahead of Trey Lance. And so I you know, when I see that and I see we got him, I knew Kellen Mond was you know, as a guy that almost went to University of Alabama, I like to follow them around a little bit in the football season. So I pay attention to the SEC. And usually it's probably the best football you're going to see in college. So I was like, this guy has gotten better every single year in college in the hardest conference in college football. Um, He was under a great coach. His numbers improved every single time. And he showed flashes. Um, He played against really good people. It's not just like he's Zach Wilson, who I was big on Zach Wilson, but um, we'll see how that goes. He doesn't like he's playing what BYU normally plays. Um, So that gives me hope. Um, Now seeing that Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips are being like really, really positive about him. I'm like, okay, Hey, I was kind of big on Kelly too. I I would like to, to not be wrong on something. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm terrible at predictions, but this is, something and i'll be like yeah that that's something and it gives any time that you have that it gives you an option like i i get labeled as a big kirk lover you know i big kirk defendant as as you know here dustin we've talked about this a lot like <laughs> i don't care who's our quarterback i'm gonna root for them every time I'm never gonna root for them to fail um i never will get that so i think kirk is greatly underappreciated and undervalued in the league and he has a narrative about him that doesn't seem to work for or translate to everyone else, i.e. Matthew Stafford. But um we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> uh I, I I think it's it's it gives you hope for a franchise that we might have something. Because in my lifetime, we don't draft quarterbacks. We we sign them or we find them and you know we acquire them. We don't draft them and groom them. So that would be something new for me. Um But as, as Cora mentioned, yeah, Zimmer just seems to hate rookies, or he always did. And, and quarterbacks, unless their name is Teddy, then he will love them forever. And like, invite them to
1: your home and meet his baby.
0: Yeah. And half, half the fan base will love this guy who I think maxed out at 15 or 16 touchdowns um, and barely 3000 yards. I, I don't know. I love him as a teammate, but Teddy is not a starting quarterback and I think that Kirk Cousins is was the best quarterback that Zimmer has ever had, but he just...
1: And he was the one that Zimmer hated the most. Yeah,
0: and that's what's crazy to me. Well, and I then that doesn't that make... Money. Oh, sorry. I think I that was just it, money.
1: Oh, that's fair. It doesn't yeah. make sense why you would rag on a rookie QB if you hated the starting quarterback as much as you yeah, did.
0: Yeah, no, and that, that's where it's... that Kellen Mond being in the doghouse and him love... I, the thing is, what is Sean Mannion?
1: Did he want Sean Manning
0: to start? He wanted Sean Manning as the backup in case Kirk wasn't. He hated that Kirk wanted to, like, you know, when we had game plans where we threw the ball 40 plus times, he hated that. He's like, I need a guy that will turn around, hand off the ball and play black and blue football. And my defense will win the game. I said numerous times last year, I'm like Zimmer is just very, very he's broken after 2017, after we went to Philly. And his defense, his historic defense gave up 38 unanswered. And I mean, really, you want to the second half of the New Orleans Saints game, um, the miracle game, that yeah. one, it was broken then. And then the mm-hmm. Eagles, Nick Foles, just destroyed it. And he never recovered. He never <laughs> recovered. Like psychologically, I'm convinced. I'm like, there's only explanation. Like, he's just trying to prove to everyone that it was a fluke two games or fluke game and a half. And his defense is still just as good. It's like, dude, step, keep the foot on the gas. And I pray that Kevin O'Connell in this new regime <laughs> – <laughs> just do we'll do that oh, i yeah, think they will i mean yeah we're, we're overdue you know yeah. if, there's, if there's any makeup time um, just drop 40 every week <laughs> just try to do that why are we trying to win 24 to 20 what are Drive we the points up. like what are we doing <laughs> we're the, up
1: by 20 keep going
2: yeah on the uh chris sims thing i want to point out or mimic slash echo what you have brought up because I challenge people who listen to this to go look that up. Just put in Chris Sims, 2018 QB rookie rankings. He started doing these in about 2017 and it is eerie how, how good he is like in the heat of the moment before these guys have taken a regular season snap. He's like a um, Nostradamus in saying who, who how, how the pecking order is going to go. And it's not that he just calls out one good guy from the draft class and says, Oh yeah, Mahomes is going to be good. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. I need you both to, or you and the entire audience, to put your 2018 thinking caps on. When that draft lead-up was happening, there was five quarterbacks who were all the next big thing. <clears throat> and if it's possible, subtract what you know now, <clears throat> because the big five in that draft lead-up were all titans of industry. They could do no wrong. So before they took a regular season snap, Chris Sims rank, ranked them like this: Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. And Hmm. it's remarkable uh, because Lamar Jackson at that time was a cool, almost like um,
0: Malik Willis type feel like, oh, yeah, I bet you he'll end up doing something in the league. He's still called the running back that occasionally passes like to this day. (laughs) He's still he's won an MVP and threw over 30 touchdowns, but he's still a running back, I guess, to some people.
2: Yeah, that that part is bizarre. I think it's the sheer amount of carries. You know, we know he's got an arm. It, it's, I'm not uh, a
0: huge. I'm not a huge Lamar Jackson. Like I, I wouldn't call him elite, but like it's ridiculous that people are saying. Yeah, oh, that's <clears throat> crazy to me.
2: So yeah, the fact that he had Mond at number four. Now that's. You know, it would have been better if it was number one or number two, but Mon was drafted in the third round and to be a backup quarterback and potentially graduate to something bigger. So I, I challenge everybody to put stock in what Chris Sims says on rankings of quarterbacks, not his Sunday night football win loss record because as we've heard, it's not too, too glorious. Uh, let's talk about some more of these off season items. Um, I wanted both of you to think about before the show and then <clears throat> opine on this topic, aside from the leadership change and the general manager and head coach. Uh I'll start with you, Adam. What do you consider the biggest improvement this offseason? A position or you know the secondary, an area of the field?
0: Yeah. So when you sent these topics, I, you know, I actually this is probably the one I gave the most thought into because we've had we've a big overhaul. We've added a lot of new pieces, um, whether that's through the draft or through free agency. Um I honestly, this might be maybe a hot take. I'm going to say O-line. Like I, I think that group is going to surprise a lot of people and people that are not as, you know, plugged into the Vikings as say we are, or a lot of others are, but that group, I mean, you look at it, you mentioned before, you know, you have, you have Derisaw and O'Neill on the ends um, as the book ends. And I loved what I saw from Derrissan as the season went on last year. Um, yeah. And O'Ne- O'Neal. I mean, you can argue is one of the best right tackles in the whole NFL. Um, He has just been steady the last multiple years with having a numerous changes next to him. Like I, I mean, that's hard for an offensive lineman. And you know, I'm a I'm a big advocate for you know praising the the work that goes into being an offensive lineman. Um, you know, obviously Brian McKinney would know firsthand, (laughs) um, probably better than anybody about it. And so I, I would say that with those two tackles, and then you see, you have guys like Ezra Cleveland who really started to come into his own at that left guard spot. Um, I think he's going to continue to develop. I know we brought him as possibly a tackle. Um, but I, I, I like him as a guard. I think he, he does well, he plays the position. Well, um, kind of has learned how to be an NFL guard. Um, obviously Bradbury is, this is probably Bradbury's last year as a Viking. Um, but you know, is what it is with that. I I also love the signings of, you know, I like this Jesse Davis signing the Chris Reed signing, um, great depth pieces and guys that when they saw the field, we're better than most of the guys that we've been running out there, you know, long gone is Drew Samia and Dakota Dozier, the <laughs> bane of my existence, Dakota Dozier. I just, I can't. Um, and now Oli Udo is added to that piece um, with the holdings and all that. Um, but I also, you know, drafting Ed Ingram. Um it's just the combinations that we have with those interior pieces and specifically the center and the right guard with Artie Wyatt Davis who we'll see him actually probably play football i mean Zimmer hated him too i guess um but i i think that we're going to see like um, not a revolving door but just combinations you, you, we're not going to have to rely on five guys and if something happens to one of them shit we're kind of screwed there but no i mean we're we are It's going to be a solid group to run out. And if we can get into the just top half, if we are just better than 16th uh, of pass protection and run protection or run blocking grades, that'd be the sky's the limit for this offense. Uh, And, I know you mentioned Cora about Kyle Brandt and I actually had this written down of, you know, I'm a big, I love watching good morning football. And I really Kyle Brandt, you know, he made his start. If you remember on, on the real world, I think I'm like season one or two, the real world back like that's, I know I was crazy, but now he's, you know, a big, big name in, in, I guess, you know, football talking heads, but he brought up the point of Kirk cousins being a dark horse MVP candidate. It's getting more and more intriguing, and if if we can just keep him upright, look up his as his clean pocket numbers. I mean, it's and it is MVP level. I mean, it is. So you well, just keep him upright, and you know, I I love it.
1: Even even when they talk about when he's he when he performs his worst is under pressure, quote unquote. When he performs his worst is under pressure. Like he our offensive line was awful last year. We literally yeah. had like. Samia got run over, like literally run over. We had like some of the worst people in the position last year. So like just an average offensive line would keep him not under pressure and keep him performing at his best. I don't know. I, I can I can understand the the argument that he has
2: there's a the dynamic for the continued offensive or offensive line futility via pass protection is amplified because uh the the one humongous knock on kirk cousins is the happy feet or going into the turtle shell when shit goes bad in the pocket that is what he is not good at improv is not his skill set and somewhere along the line the Vikings decided. Wow, well, we can get skimpy in the in the trenches. It's cool. Kirk will end up figuring it out. No, he won't. <laughs> he he's not an improviser. Uh, to Adams' credit and point, when he when he has reasonable protection, that's when he thrives. That's when he f- has those elite stretches in October and November. So we the weirdest thing that we've done for four straight seasons is plus. Employ a pocket passer at premium dollars with shitty pass protection. It it's it's flummoxing, it's maddening. And we just got used to it. Every year at this time, I convince myself, all right, maybe somebody in that building gets it. Because if I get it in this playroom that my kids have, somebody has to understand that you need to give the pocket. Passer pass protection. And I think they're starting to get that. Uh, Cora, what is your biggest area? I
0: I, I will say he has gotten better about, Oh yeah. He has. I've noticed Mm -hmm. like if you go back into 2018, his first year, it was bad. Like you saw it all the time, but, I don't think he was used to it. He wasn't no. used to it. Cause Washington, no. they, they had, they had wonderful. He trenches. was when well, He was, and, but he also was moving. I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is me. He was faster in Washington, yeah. right? <laughs> like, like he, like, I remember playing him in like 2017 and like, yeah, big comeback. He's running all over the place. I'm like, well, what happened? He just kind of stopped moving and he just looks smaller, maybe in purple or less athletic. I don't know. I mean, he's only like 205 pounds. He's not very big, but I I don't know. I think that to that point, Spielman was never good at drafting, especially interior offensive line. Um, yeah, he, they draft for, they draft a type and they just got to go and get a mauler type. That's why I love the Wyatt Davis one, the pick, but he never saw the field. We never saw him. Yeah. You know, and that's is for
2: reasons unknown. No, they, they liked drafting the football version of power forwards. Yeah. They, li- they like dudes that could, you know, box guys out, jump around a little quicker than average. And that shit doesn't work when you're trying and- to you know, fortify offensive pass protection trend. And
0: Brad, Bradbury might be the weakest center in the league. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's just small. He was standing next to Kyle or Kyle yes. Rudolph. And he looked like a little boy. Like, I'm like, dude, you are a he a, looks like a child. Yeah. Like you are standing next to like a, you know, a tight, a end, tight and, end. And like, you should be dwarfing him. I get Kyle or Kyle Rudolph is big, but I don't know, man. Like, oh, I don't know if it's if his off season program is just like, shredding and not bulking. Like, dude, just bulk year round. <laughs> and you his muscle, sh- like, you, even you just shred like when his you're beef
1: done. wasn't there. Yeah, oh you my shred gosh.
0: when you're done like Joe Thomas did. Like, don't. Come on. If Bradbury doesn't
2: figure it out this year, the biggest criminal offense or the criminology of of his joining of the Vikings was that the Vikings spent the 18th overall pick on him in the 2019 NFL draft. That is the highest draft of a center since 1999 and Damian Woody. So it's if if you're going to draft a center in round one, he has to be on a path to all pro or even Hall of Fame, because otherwise you can get the sons of bitches in the second, third, fourth and fifth rounds but they said we're going to nail this once and for all. And if you're going to do that at the 18th pick in a draft, you have to get somebody who's going to anchor the trenches for seven to 12 years. And this thing might be done in three, depending on how the summer goes. That that's, what's upsetting. If Bradbury was picked in fourth round, nobody would give a shit. Um, and that's how it usually goes at draft picks. But Cora, tell me your biggest area of improvement in the off season for these Vikings.
1: Um, I uh, I have to go with the O line as well. The entire time Anna was talking, I was trying to come up with a different one, but I was just like, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I mean, there's there's the people that we have are just going to get better. The people we added are better than the people we had, and so it's just I I just feel like it's just going to be better. I don't think there's a posi- I don't think there's a a group of players that we let go of the worst and got significantly better players that we know will be because literally they were the worst of their position or two positions below it or two whatever i don't know so i think the offensive line is the biggest improvement um and i mean i i've trying really hard to come up with someone else or another place, but maybe tight ends. Cause I'm really excited to see what Irv Smith can do. Um, I, mean, I was really I, excited to see what he was going to do last year. And then he got hurt. And I don't know, my mind is made up on him that he's going to be good. So if he's not, I'll be devastated.
0: So I, I, yeah, secondary is an obvious one just because they were, they were pretty pitiful at times. And they, you just assume some of the guys we added or drafted will contribute um, and then Edge could be one just because hey, we'll have Daniil. It's fair we'll have and, and Zedarius and Zedarius. So yeah. it's like that if, should be much better. If
1: they stay <laughs> healthy. I mean, yeah. yeah. why didn't the Ravens work out? I like to think the Ravens didn't work out because the Vikings showed interest, but at the same time, maybe they didn't he didn't pass the well, their physical. I know or... he
0: I know nope. he pulled he pulled his deal because of the de- right after Chandler Jones got that big contract. Vom so I I I yeah, and Von like he saw the of the market and he's like, I could probably get some more. So I feel like he probably tried to rework it and he just kind of withdrew. And then the Vikings probably just
2: he also said this, him. He also said this week that it was reported that he signed with the Ravens, and he is like, I ain't signed shit yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that I think that uh pissed him off. The funny thing about the secondary all of a sudden being uh, a strength, or Luke keekley says it's the best in the world, yeah. <laughs> is that I swear. On everything about eight, nine weeks ago on my YouTube show, I did a show about how secondary was the weakest part of the roster, because at that point, Patrick Peterson hadn't resigned. It was Cameron Dantzler, Harrison Smith, and the boys, and you hoped for the best. And then bada-bing, Patrick Peterson comes back. Chandon Sullivan signed for the slot. They drafted Louis Scene, They got Andrew Booth, the Caleb Evans. So within a period of a month and a half, all of a sudden, it's like we're set. And you have future Hall of Famers like Luke Keekley saying, have you seen this depth chart? This is badass. And so it, it's a testament to what a general manager could do with a little gumption in a short period of time. Um, mine, I guess the case can be made if you want to be different, is that the upside of pairing Z'Darrius Smith to Neil Hunter It could be if they're healthy. One had a neck neck injury two years ago. One had a back injury last year. So it's a huge, large, it's a large gamble that they're both going to stay healthy. But the upside of both of those guys, uh, Zedarios will be 30 and Daniel will be 28 this autumn. You, You could, there is in November or so, teams could look back and be like, how on earth were they able to pair these two guys together? That's the upside. So in terms of splashiness, the Zadarius signing was the biggest deal because it proved that, all right, these Vikings aren't rebuilding or any shit like that. They are Mm -hmm. here. They're trying to win now because when you go get a monster of rock type of uh, caliber player like that for the the edge of the line, you're, you're saying that we're all in this when there was enthusiasm to rebuild the thing. Um, However, on the whole, I'm with the both of you as the right guard position. Um, I think it's the biggest area of improvement, even though we haven't seen any snaps from the new guys, because it was a three-pronged solution. Jesse Davis, Chris Reed, Ed Ingram. Before, it would be Dakota Dozier and some other (laughs) asshole from like the sixth round where you're like, oh,
0: Uh, maybe maybe, only Udo just (laughs) holding and false starts and just any penalties you can think of. Yeah, because it's it's like... uh, the, the, the bane sol- of
1: my existence. It was the half
2: mm-hmm. measured solutions that we convinced ourselves might work at this time in the off season. Now I've said this over and over on the YouTube show for the right guard position, not to be solved this September. It will have mean three guys suck three whole human beings. that yeah. coaches kind of Couldn't figure it the hell out. Yeah. And before we'd look back and be like, well, yeah, it was Dozier and so no matter it didn't work out, but now oh, it's three guys right. that actually have a pedigree of being good. At some point in
0: their careers,
1: they have a pedigree of, of, of like not sucking.
0: <laughs> that's all we need. That's,
1: that's all, we, all need. we need. Oh just my don't god! Suck.
0: Just don't suck. Just be average. Like uh, that's literally. You hear the the saying is be great. No, for right guard or offensive line average. of the Vikings, be average. Just you can even be slightly below average, and just it's gonna be better. Yeah. Like, uh, the
1: bar is so low for yeah. them, and I'm we the, will be yeah. so excited if they are just.
0: Well, it's going to
2: be Ed Ingram, because when you draft a guy in the second round, especially one with splotchy history like him, um, he's going to be the starter. Whether they got some wild plan to put him at center or it's going to be at right guard, um, he's going to start unless he looks like an imbecile in the summer, which I guess we've seen stuff like that before. But um, in this draft class, when it was a defensive-themed draft for the Vikings, five out of the first six picks were defenders. The one lone exception was a guard. I foresee he will start against the Packers in week one. Let's go off the air on this question. Adam, which rookie makes a bigger impact, Louis Seen or Ed Ingram? Because I think both of them will start.
0: Um, I just based on guaranteed playing time, I'm going Louis scene, um, it, it's just, you, you have that fact of he's for sure being on the field. I love Cameron Bynum. I liked what I saw last year, but you don't draft a guy in the first round. That's not going to be starting. Like you just don't at a position where you have an opening, um, or not a solidified pro bowl, all pro starter. Um, he's going to be playing next to one. Um, so you, you, you pair that with him playing beside my opinion, two hall of famers in Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson, um, he he's he should flourish. I mean, he's an extremely intelligent football player. He called the defense for Georgia last year um, arguably the best one of the best defenses has an argument to be made in all of college football. I mean, they were dominant at every single level. Uh, he plays extremely fast, very hard, and he just is constantly coming downhill trying to make a play. Uh, I, I expect him. To be in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year, um, I I think it's going to be great. And him learning just beside Harrison Smith is going to just pay dividends for his whole career. So I'm excited about that pick a lot. That's the most
2: uh, exciting part for me is that, unfortunately, Hitman isn't long for this purple world. And he'll be a figment of our Vikings lore in about three to five years. And now, picking scene, he'll be entering his prime when Smith starts to step away or just the beginning of his prime. And I think that is scintillating because we've had such a s- sweet ass run with Smith for a decade. Oh. Uh, Cora Lewis scene mm-hmm. is probably going to start Ed Ingram's probably going to start. I'm not sure if booth will. So I picked these two guys, seeing Ingram who has the bigger impact. Um, well, uh,
1: I was going to, I went with scene, but I'll make an argument for Ingram. Um, so I think he'll probably make a bigger impact just because like the, the he's going to be in a spot that like the bar is so low. Like he just has to do well. And he does have competition and there are some other people coming in, but I feel like with the bar so low that and with the talent that we have around him except for you know Bradbury, but like the talent we have around him and the people we have that can build him up and the fact that he was not in the first round, but super high in the second, I just feel like they have to feel confident in him and they have to feel confident in the skills. And from what I've heard, like, you know, he's this, the, the stuff that he needs to work on is stuff that's easy to fix. It's not like hard to fix. It's a lot of like just silly technical things that you just break down and go. Um, It's not, he doesn't have a problem finishing. He always finishes. So, I feel like he could have a bigger impact because um it might be easier for him to jump in rather than scene because Hitman is so, you know, instinct instinctual and they just might not be on the same wavelength first year. I think going forward seems going to be have the bigger significant impact on the team than Ingram, but I I'll, I'll make an argument for him and just say that it might be easier for him to jump in. I don't know.
0: I think it's interesting you pick these two players because mm-hmm. arguably guard and safety are pro- of the positions in terms of like in your fans mind of importance, mm-hmm. probably near the bottom. Mm-hmm. It, there, it's a position where if it's a, if it's a glaring miss, then you can feel the effect, but if mm-hmm. it's really, really solid, you probably won't notice it too much. And I think that's what makes Harrison Smith. So still underrated. Like, I mean, you put up, you always see his splits with Troy, Paul one of the best safeties of all time. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You, I've seen a <laughs> I lot of that. You. I started. You always
1: and, see and, Dustin's. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you always see Dustin putting this up there. And so people have caught on and it's, it, it's, you know, it's crazy that people might push back that it's a, not a Hall of Fame career. I'm like, well, I don't know what else he's supposed to do. Like, he's in a he's been the one of the best, if not the best, at his position, basically his entire time in the NFL. Like, very very few people say that or can say that. Um, and and with guard, you know, Quentin Nelson has I think helped some fans that are not big in offensive line play. Um, kind of see the importance of that or how impactful that can be, but it's still interior offensive line is especially the guards kind of get forgotten. Uh, it's the tackles of the flashy guys, it's the the blind sides, it's the protecting against the speedy edge rushers, and so.
1: I'll add another another note on why Ingram might be have more significant impact because what we had said earlier, Kirk Cousins will have people who can give him more time and more security. So, because it's around Kirk Cousins, it will have more of an impact because the defense has those stars and can cover for Scene. But Ingram could have a direct impact on more points scored. The
2: uh, I'll
1: make that one.
2: (laughs) That's it. Uh, No, the so the Ingram or excuse me, the Harrison Smith and Paul Amalu thing. Yes, that came for me because during my initial reign of terror in twenty twenty with statistics. Uh, I, you know, was looking at every aspect of the team past and present. And every time I'd searched statistical metrics on defense in the last 20 years, those two guys would show up in the same criteria, like one and two. And I got to thinking like, are they really that close or what's the deal? And yeah, when you split it out and you list them out, uh, the only things difference is the Super Bowl championship and, uh, yeah, that it, it caught on because it's perspective that, you know, when you play for the Steelers, the Steel Curtain, and you win your Super Bowl, then, and you got cool hair, then you have notoriety, and you get c- commercials, and Hitman doesn't have Super Bowl, and
0: his hair and is just hair out. Run, run-of-the-mill it's hair just until until he can't. He tried growing his hair out. It looked bad. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, please. I don't I don't like it. Buzz it back. Buzz it back. It was just, like, super slicked. I don't know. It looks a little weird. It looks a little <laughs> ratty to me. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Well, we are out of time, the both of you. I appreciate you filling in for the group. Um, Adam, you hit me up for third and forever. When you have the time, and Cora, I'll probably ring your line here in a few weeks to rejoin us, okay? Sounds good. All right, Sounds that's good. all we got. And skull, baby. Go!
1: No. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.